0: Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, we're going to pick it up in verse 22. Acts chapter 16, verse 22. There is a moment coming, and I don't want you to miss it. I want you to maximize your moments like Paul and Silas do, right here, beginning in verse 22. Paul and Silas were doing what God had called them to do, they were headed to the place of prayer, and they were doing acts in the name of Jesus. And of course, they face opposition, and they are apprehended, and we pick it up with them in verse 22. It says the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Amen. What a story. What a story. And like I said, I'm excited to share this with you. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be able to dig through God's word. But I find that it blesses me so much to just spend that time with him. And I hope this morning that you see a couple of things in here that will encourage you maybe today, tomorrow, this next season. The school year is about to start. For parents, that's a whole new world. For students, that's a whole new world. We have a summer season that's ending. Jobs are changing. We're constantly going into new seasons. And I hope you don't miss your moment. I hope you maximize the moments that God has for you. There is um, a week, just a few weeks ago, where like the stars aligned and every morning I was able to spend some time in the word. And I know that's like, uh, you're like, well, as a pastor, don't you do that all the time? Well, there's a lot of time like preparing for like a high school message or filling in for somebody or going on campus to share this or do this. And we kind of get busy with ministry things. And I'll be honest, there's, there's moments where we, we miss out on that individual devotional time. But there was a moment this summer where, where the stars aligned and every morning it was me and Jesus and it was a different, maybe it was a different Devo in the morning or a different book that I was reading. But every morning I was just like getting up and just so blessed, like before checking the email, before making the coffee, just super blessed day in and day out. And that week culminated with us spending one night, a couple days up in Portland for our anniversary. Well, we called it a famiversary because my wife and I took our kids with us. So it was fun. We had a great time. We got home, though, and she's like, that was a great weekend. Um, that was a lot of fun, but you still owe me an anniversary dinner, just you and me. And I'm like, okay, you got it. But it was a good time. It was good weather, and we, we enjoyed ourselves. We took care of some of the back-to-school stuff, you know, and, and we, we had a couple meals out together. And We were headed back Saturday afternoon. It was nice out, and we stopped on, just on the outside of Portland, one of our favorite little places called Pyology, to get some pizzas. And we walked in there, and... Um, We're ordering some pizzas, lazy Saturday afternoon for a lot of people. And there's this one lady that kind of stands out to me. She's probably mid to late fifties and she's just hustling around, taking care of people, getting our food, bringing our food out. She's just busting it. She's just like, it's Saturday afternoon. I'm hanging out with my family and she's just hustling around, taking care of everybody. Just doing her job, just joyfully taking care of things. And, We're getting ready to go, and I felt God kind of like impress upon my heart that he wanted me to share something with her. It was like one of those awkward things as a Christian. You're like, no, 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 no. And God was like, no, I want you to tell her that I love her and I'm proud of her. And I'm sitting there going, no, I'm not working, actually. God, I'm on a trip with my family. Like, that's a work thing. I'm not doing that right now. This is not edgewater, this is biology. But we kind of went back and forth, and finally it's we're getting ready to leave, and the family's all got their pizza boxes and put stuff in there and refilled their drinks, and they're heading out, and I'm kinda pacing. And I see her at the counter by herself, and I'm headed up there, and I put my sunglasses on, like, okay, this will make it less awkward. And God was like, look her in the eye. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> take my sunglasses And nobody was next to her. So I was like, okay, perfect. Nobody's going to hear me. This will, this will be all right. So I called her over and I was like, excuse me, can I share something with you? And I think she thought I was going to ask for something. And I was like, um, strangely, this doesn't happen enough, but I'm a pastor. And I feel like God wants me to tell you something. And she stops. And at this point, I'm like, Portland, like I'm kind of rolling the dice with the God thing. Like. I don't know what's going to happen. I might get pyology in the face if she doesn't really like what I have to say. So I just go for it. I'm like, whatever. We're just going to go for it. And I was like, God just wanted me to tell you that he loves you and he's proud of you. And then I'm like, no. Um, and, and she looks me square in the eye and her lip starts to quiver. And her eyes kind of start to fill up. And she said, you have no idea how much i needed to hear that today it has been the hardest day and i split no <laughs> I, I was like okay god i've done enough i've done enough i just looked at her and i said well he loves you and i'm praying for you she said i appreciate it and i walked out and we as a family we just kind of lifted her up in prayer but but if i feel like if i hadn't spent that time with the lord leading up to that moment i would have missed it and I, honestly I think I was probably more blessed by that moment than she was. I hope that she was. I hope that, that she understands that God loves her dearly and he's got great things in store for her that, that she would be surrounded by godly loving people that will walk with her through whatever she's going through. But I felt like I was the one that was blessed in that moment. God was kind of pushing me, kind of nudging me. And so in this next season, I would just really encourage you guys to maximize every moment that God puts in front of you. And if you haven't, embarrassingly, I will, I will say, those moments don't come every day. As a pastor, I need. I want to push myself out into those areas. If you're not experiencing those moments where you're kind of uncomfortable and, and you're kind of going back and forth with God on something, will you please let God kind of nudge you a little? Will you listen to him? Will you allow him the space to kind of, to nudge and to push you into those moments where you're a little bit nervous? where you have to trust him? Paul and Silas were out doing ministry. They were doing what God had called them to do. And of course, they are under attack. They are persecuted. They are beaten. They are imprisoned. I tell kids in our high school group that the beating you might face in 2017 in a first world country in Josephine County in Grants Pass is probably going to look a lot different than what they faced. Every now and then I'll be reading from a story and I'll say they immediately stoned them and some kids will look at me like, first time in church, what are you saying? This is Josephine County and I have to clarify obviously. That the rocks sometimes that get thrown at people, the beatings that might occur, for us, 97, 98, 99% of the time, are probably words. It's probably what people are saying. It's probably what the, the skeptics are saying. It's probably what the critics are saying. In fact, it might even be the words that the enemy is whispering in your mind that you're facing. That might be the beating that you're taking. I would just encourage you, push forward anyway. Push into God and just be okay with a little bit of discomfort. Paul and Silas find themselves beaten and imprisoned for what they were called to do. This next week, it might be a parent who's feeling condemnation for their parenting. It might be an employee who's feeling kind of attacked. You might be the only Christian in your workplace. But don't, please don't miss your moment. I think it's really cool that God lets them come to a place. It says that it's dark and at midnight. And it's symbolically, it's a quiet place where they are alone. They're alone in this moment with their thoughts, their fears, their questions. Why God? Why? He lets them get to this place. Last week, Matt talked about Hosea being called out into the desert. And it was there that God said, I want you to get to know me as husband and not as master. And God's okay with us getting into that dark midnight hour. And he doesn't want us to distract ourselves. He wants us to absorb it. Matt talked last week about how the greatest distraction we have coming into this season is football. We have social media. When we don't want to think about the difficult things that we're facing, jump on social media, get distracted with that until you get mad about something that you see on there. And then it's a whole nother thing. But there's, there's no distractions here for Paul and Silas. They're singing hymns, not turning to the world. So do you run to God or do you run from God when it's dark? Just think about that. When we have those moments, are you running to God or to the world? Verse 25 says, after singing and praying and praising God, there's an unbeliever that witnesses what happened in the dark. He heard them in the dark. It was what Paul and Silas were doing in the dark that pulled this jailer in to their lives. It wasn't when things were good and perfect and everything was great that they were able to witness to this particular guy. It was when things were dark. And I love this little this little bit of scripture where it says the jailer comes in and it says he called for the lights, which we we know what, that means, but in the next scripture, he's asking how to be saved. I think God is so cool. He's asking for light in the next scripture he's saved. God went ahead and used an unbeliever to bring light into a dark place, into the darkness where Paul was, to remind Paul that he had not forgotten him. There was a few years ago, actually quite a while ago, quite, quite long ago now that I think about it. I had a year that was very, very difficult. It was in a different workplace. It was a different situation. I can't go into all the details, but it was very difficult. There was, I was working with, there wasn't anybody that I was working with that knew me. And my immediate supervisor was very much um, in opposition to me and really was, uh, in my opinion, it felt like trying to make my life difficult. And I just was like, okay, whatever you want, whatever you got, uh, let's go. And at every turn, it felt like things were being said about me that weren't true or the expectations were changing and I was having, and it was just this constant struggle every day. And I literally would tell my wife, I would tell my wife when I would go to bed the night before, uh, I feel like I'm going to jail tomorrow. (laughs) I feel like I'm headed to jail, but it was so cool. Because every morning, I'm not kidding you, every single morning when I would drive to work, I would say out loud, my grace is sufficient for thee because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And every day God put that scripture on my heart and every day I would say it out loud. And God is so cool because at the end of that season, the person who I felt was in direct opposition to me, was so gracious and spoke so highly of me personally in a one-on-one setting. And there was other people that came to me individually and said, I know what's going on. I know how it's going for you. And I just want to say that the way you're handling this has been awesome. And I wanted to cry at that moment. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to cry, but not because of what they were saying, But because of how amazing our God is, to let me go through that and then to let me hear those words, it was such a sweet time and I wouldn't change it for anything in the world to be able to go through that. Paul wrote, my grace is sufficient for thee because my strength is made perfect in weakness after he'd experienced all these things. Paul knew something. Paul knew what I tell my kids all the time. I tell my kids that pain... (laughs) is the proof of life. Pain is the proof of life, isn't it? Like, if you're dead, you're not going to feel somebody pinch you. If you're numbing your life with substances, you're probably not going to feel a lot of pain. But when you actually feel pain, it's a sign that you're actually living. You're actually alive. So, I was reminded of this, and I shared this again with my kids about 12.30 a.m. on a Thursday morning after middle school youth group last week. We were walking out of the emergency room. Yeah, and um, my son had gone in because we had our middle school group, and the floors at the church office where we have the middle school group had been recently waxed, so they were nice and slick, and one of our... um, kids, had discovered that if you take the gray couch pillows that we use for the couches out at Fruitdale, if you run and jump on them on this newly waxed floor, you can slide really fast and really far. And you could. And it was a lot of fun. And I can speak from experience because it was a blast. We had a great time. But youth group was wrapping up and we were outside finishing up a, um, we were finishing a game, um, a a human pinata. And, And that, doesn't, that sounds wrong. That does sound wrong. <clears throat> when I say human pinata, I don't mean we had a kid and we were beating him with a stick trying to get candy out. Well, that was not what it was. It was like a t-shirt with candy on it and you're running around trying to pull the candy. So, sorry. that sound, Immediately you're like, okay, no, new person, don't send my kid to the middle school. But we're outside, we're wrapping up the game and everybody, you know, middle schoolers, like there's blood and it's just like, whoa! They come flying out. Your son's bleeding. Blah 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 blah. He fell, and I'm picturing, picturing the balcony inside the church where they like to like throw basketballs and stuff over. And I'm like, did he fall from that? Because that would be a lot of blood. Okay, well, let's go in there. And I get in there, and sure enough, there's a lot of blood. Um, and as luck would have it, we have a first-time sixth grader whose mom decided to stay with her throughout the whole service. So immediately, I've got this mom who's questioning my ability to supervise children. And um, it also just so happens that she's a nurse, which now I'm so thankful for, that she was there and she stayed the whole time because she was able to examine it and she was able to get his breathing just right. Like he was fine, but he was kind of, I guess, on the verge of passing out a little bit, according to her. So um, it was funny because my wife was texting her from the ER later and she's like giving her updates. And and then the mom says, don't worry, we'll be back. We had a lot of fun. So we're like, OK, (laughs) OK. But he was on that pillow and he was sliding and his chin ended up becoming the break on the concrete and it just pulled it right apart. Ten stitches. It was pretty crazy. And naturally, I don't think he really liked to hear when we're walking out. Son, pain is a proof of life. You know, (laughs) you lived tonight. You were living. But some of us are so afraid in this Christian walk to let ourselves experience that, that uncomfortable moment, that persecution, that condemnation, what people might say. Some of us, we keep it from allowing us to join the uh, community group because it's not the perfect fit for us. And I have news for you. You will not find the perfect community group. You won't. Just like we say, you're not going to find the perfect church. You have to be willing to put yourself out there. And go ahead and experience a little bit of pain, because God will do some amazing things with it. <clears throat> we can't be fearful. In fact, it's funny. I was thinking about the ER. Matt was talking last week about how this needs to be like an emergency room, and I agree that we have to we have to be accepting of the people that come in with hurts and and look at them that way. And I was interested in the statistics, so I studied. Or I went and looked at some studies about. Less, I think it was 7.7% out of 10,000, 7.7 out of 10,000 people that go into the ER don't make it out. I, I didn't think it, it was, so it was like 99.97 or 3%, something like that, 99.9.3% or whatever, make it out. So I thought that was great. So I was thinking church should be the same way. That should be the same goal for us, 99.9%. And we should look at this as an opportunity to celebrate those victories. And we should look at those opportunities as us being those families in that waiting room or being that staff in that hospital room to, to help these that are coming in and be accepting of that. Maximize your moment, don't miss it. Verse 26 and 28, it says, as they were singing, the walls came down, but they didn't go anywhere. They didn't go anywhere. The jailer comes in and they haven't gone anywhere. He gets saved, they go to his home, his whole family gets saved. And I've shared on this with I think 3-year-olds all the way up through high school at some point or another. And you've probably read this story to your own kids or you've heard it read to you and and I I think I've shared or probably focused on on how when we pray and we worship and The walls come down and there's freedom. And I believe all of that, that God will use all of that stuff. I totally believe that. But this week I was like, God, is there more to this that maybe I've missed? Will you show me something with with this God? Paul and Silas suffered. They were persecuted. They were jailed. They praised God. They were freed. God used it, no doubt. But God showed me that he gave me this, this question I had that why didn't Paul run? Or at least get up and walk out. Why didn't Paul and Silas get up and walk out? What do you guys think? You can answer. Why did, why did they not get up and walk out? Jesus told them to stay? Them to stay? Yeah. yeah, okay. Sounds good. Good witness? Absolutely. I think so. I think those are correct answers. I, I think those are correct answers. But I also, I don't think Paul ran when the walls came down. Because I don't think Paul and Silas saw the walls. I don't think Paul and Silas saw that there were walls there. There were walls and they came down because that's what the Bible says. But I don't think Paul and Silas saw them. When Paul and Silas went into that jail, they didn't see any, any limit to the circumstances that God put them in. They went into that jail cell not being held back by what God could do. So when the walls came down, nothing changed for them. They were doing what God had called them to do all along. They didn't maybe know that the jailer's family somewhere away from this location or that this jailer heard them singing in the dark. Maybe they didn't know exactly how this was going to turn out. But when they went into that jail cell, they were not held back by any kind of circumstance that they were in. I pray that we get that as his people, that there isn't a circumstance that we're going to face this school year, this next season. There is no circumstance that we will face, that we will be trapped without him, without a way out, without using or maximizing that moment. Paul was living. Paul knew there would be pain. Paul knew there would be trouble. He knew there'd be beatings and oppositions and questions and doubt, but Paul knew that God would maximize the moment. Paul didn't run because he didn't feel trapped. How many times as believers have we wanted to believe? We've wanted to believe Jesus when he says, I'm going to send you a helper. And in in that work, in in the Holy Spirit, you're going to do greater things than me. How many of us have wanted to believe that we could do some great things? And in our mind, we trap ourselves in this little prison cell we see walls where God sees an opportunity. If there was anyone who could have believed they weren't worthy of this moment, it would have been Paul, right? If there was a guy who was like, "Mm, no, that guy's not qualified. That guy can't do that. It would have been Paul coming against Christianity, coming against Christians, looking to kill Christians, organize a witch hunt for Christians. If there was a guy disqualified, it probably would have been Paul. But Paul didn't see a limit to what God could do with his own life because Paul Paul knew that there was one who came before him who had a dark midnight hour, who hung on a cross and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, who said, I lay down my life. Nobody takes it. I lay my life down. Nobody can put me in jail. I will do what the father wants me to do. Who said, I can call on thousands upon thousands of angels to take this moment from me if I want, but I'm trusting my father. Paul knew all of that. And Paul knew that Jesus faced a prison cell for 3 days and rolled out the t- rolled the rock back and came out of the tomb and was not held back. Jesus for 3 days said I'm not held back by this. In fact, I'm going into this to conquer this so Paul and everybody after him knows when you face something like this, I've got victory. I won. I defeated death. So we as Christians can go into those circumstances Not missing our moment, but maximizing what God wants to do in our lives. Paul understood something we all need to get. He did not see any walls. I tell high school kids this all the time. Some of you are trapped. And some of you might, this story might be all too real for you in this cell of shame and guilt and condemnation, in this cycle of sin that you just can't seem to get out of because God couldn't possibly use me. And so I'm stuck here. Man, I'm not the parent I thought I was going to be. I'm not the, the Christian I thought I was going to be. I'm not the son my parents had hoped I would be. I'm not the husband or the wife that I thought I would be. And this guilt and this shame keep you trapped in this prison cell. And the craziest thing to me about this cell is there's no walls on it. Jesus is standing right on the other side. It's like, come on. Freedom is yours. Let's go. And then there's some that are kind of playing with God that are making a mockery of their walk and their relationship and saying one thing and doing another. And it's the, I, it's the same to me. It's fear holding you back. And God's calling you to this great, amazing life. And it just doesn't seem real. It couldn't possibly happen that the walls would come down and I would be able to walk freely in the life that God has called for me. Called me to. Before we close, I have a job for you this week. I want you to preach this message to somebody in your life. I want you to preach freedom to somebody that you know a friend, a family member. A neighbor, a coworker. I want you to let God push you into that little bit of discomfort and preach a message of freedom. And don't tell them I said it. Don't tell them you heard it Sunday at Edgewater. Don't say the pastor was saying. Say God showed you because he did. He just showed you through his word. God showed you. And now you go preach this to somebody else, please. And it might be the first day of school is ending and you're the mom who didn't have the right pack of crayons and now you're beating yourself up because your kid came home without... And listen, you need to preach this to yourself. That you are worthy of the calling that God has brought before you. And don't miss your moment because you think you're trapped in a cell, but maximize what God wants to do in your life. Can we do that? Would you please stand? We're going to pray. As we pray, if there is anybody here who has felt like they are imprisoned or in jail, they are trapped by choices, man, life's not going the way I thought it was going to go, and it's me. I'm seeing it's me and it's my choices and, and I want freedom from this. I want to be able to walk freely and, and not miss another moment that God has called me to. We're going to pray and as we're praying, if, if that's you, we'll have, we'll have a couple pastors down here. We would love to pray with you and see you walk free from that cell and live the life that God has called you to. And if you're somebody who's here today and, and you've been, there, you're there, you're walking out of the cell and you're free and you're like, man, today's the day that I want the, the whole world to see that I'm free. We've got some water right here. We would love to baptize you. We'll pray with you. We'll baptize you. You can start this next season of your life, this next school year, whatever it is, holding your head high. And knowing that you have a father in heaven who loves you, who sent his son to redeem you, and who doesn't want you to miss another moment locked up in fear and doubt but wants to maximize every second of your life. Let's pray. Father, we pray as your kids that walls would come down for people. That they would see, really, Lord, that there is no walls that you have, you brought them down when you died on the cross. I pray for those who have um, been struggling with dear, uh, with doubt, with fear, with condemnation. They would be free from that, that this next season they wouldn't miss another moment, Lord but instead they would maximize what you have called them to, that they would look for you, that they would spend time with you, that they would trust you. I pray that we would live bold, courageous lives for you, Lord, as ambassadors of a freeing gospel, sharing a message with a trapped, confused world, Lord, We lift up those in our area, Lord, again, Brookings and the surrounding areas in Houston. Father, we pray. We pray again, Lord, for them that through this time that they would cling to you, Lord, and that you would work a great testimony in their lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this time. We pray these things in your name. Amen. God bless you guys.